Radio, the transmission and reception of electromagnetic waves on radio frequency, especially those carrying sound messages, or the activity or industry of broadcasting sound programs to the public. Fanboy, a male fan, especially one who behaves in an obsessive or overexcited way. This is the Radio Fanboy Podcast, and here's your host, Bevo. I am really excited because I'm talking to two of my radio idols. Steve Fitton and Jessica Gale were members of B105's Top 30 Countdown back in 1990, then later went across to do the National Night Show on Triple M. Steve Fitton and Jessica Gale join me right now on the Radio Fanboy Podcast. G'day guys, how are we? Hi darling, I'm good. I'm kind of like... Yeah, it's working. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm kind of like knitting a nervous wee. I've not been in a radio studio for about 100 years. Here I am in Triple M Hobart joining you, and I had to go and get... Who's your gorgeous little friend? Is it Phil Phil Bradley? Bradley Phil? Phil Bradley, yeah, yeah. He had to come and just, you know, touch my cans. (laughs) And and, uh, because you guys were like being right at the front of my cans, and now... They're resting gently. Hi. Yes. And in case you're listening, she's referring to headphones, not the cans on the front. And Steve, you're in WS in Sydney at the moment, mate. Uh, correct, yeah. I'm on air in uh, 40 minutes' time, so uh, we've got a little window. There's a there's an hour break between Mike Hammond and myself where we have Jason Stavely do the 80s, totally 80s show. I call it Switzerland. So there's a there's an hour with studio uh, time, and I've got it today, and here we are. So it's a three-way hookup. We're in Hobart, what, Sunshine Coast yes, in Sydney. that's right. Very hmm. exciting time. Guys, how did you start on the Top 30 Countdown? You go, Jess, because you were there before me. So, um, David Reimer, he was um, looking at me with his ear. And I, of course, don't know who he is. And I'm doing a radio school, uh, John Knox. Do you remember Knox is just 60 seconds away with all the news? Yeah. And so... At that time, I'm selling advertising for a guy called Alan McGurvin. Alan McGurvin was um, the first record jock for Double J before it was Triple J, right? And he said to me, you'd be amazing on the air. Like, you know, you should go and do this course. And, of course, I never turned up. And if I did, I was wearing a caftan. I had no shoes. I was stoned. I had a German shepherd wearing a, you know, scarf or something. And so I'm telling telling a really great story, I think, outside the bathroom at what was it called then before B105 Sissy? 4BK. 4BK. <laughs> I don't have a short-term memory problem. And so then he, uh, Rhyme is just staring at me with his ear and I'm thinking, who's this guy with this, you know, amazing white teeth and glistening blue eyes and, <laughs> you know, he's very good looking, he's very engaged with me but in a weird way through his ear. And so he starts asking me some really, kind of, who are you? And I'm like, well, who the fuck are you? You know, like... <laughs> Uh, you know, a bit like that, really. And so then he then calls me a week later and goes, hi, do you remember me? And I'm like, yeah, you're that kind of weird stalker guy. And so he's like, listen, I want you to um, be my sidekick. Um, you know, I'm starting a new um, radio show. And I'm like, oh. And then he decided to tell me that John Knox said, no, no, not Jessica Gale. She's really naughty. She never shows up. I've got someone so much better. He's like, nah, she's who I want because it was the laugh because I – could laugh on cue, right? So you're like three, two, one, <laughs> like that. And so, yeah, and that's how I got the gig. And then Sissy, he was the mid-dawner. And then we just sort of, you know, connected and Rhymer got taken out. And at the time, I'm getting paid 20 bucks an hour. Oh, Rhymer's on 100G. Whoa. And, um, 
And really, then Sissy and I really met, and that was kind of like Sissy was still on big bucks compared to me, but we got even when we <laughs> went to um, Sydney. But the thing is, is that when Sissy and I started working together, that was just, you know, what I, what I called him, we really gelled because really it was David Reimer's show and I was a sidekick. But when we met, it was more like it was our show. Would you say that's true? Well, yeah, I was I was thrown in there. But yeah, by the way, Sissy is is the nickname I get, and I call Jess Gina Gnome. So oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Jess, yeah, and yeah, we're like the two, we're like Tommy and Gina in the in the uh, Bon Jovi songs. But um, <laughs> yeah, so Rhyme got transferred down to Two Day um, when Brad March moved down there. So Mark Lee was our program director at the time, and I was doing late nights. And he said, "Look, I'm going to give you this opportunity because whenever David's away, you fill it, and you and Jess seem to you know click." So I got uh, promoted into. No, I've still got the memo actually that Mark wrote. It was a lovely memo. Um, but it was yeah, it was kind of Jess's show. I was the anchor, but she was the, she, she'd already you know um, cemented herself in with the audience and stuff. And, and back then, this is pre-internet, pre-computer, pre-everything. Kids got all of their info and all their entertainment from the radio at night. It was always a little bit naughty. Um, we had all you know the latest songs and all the latest artists. And uh, Jess was the well, we were the king and queen of the kids. At at, at, oh. at one point, we had a forty-one point four. Share, I think. Holy shit. Of a seven to ten breakdown, yeah. So, like um, that, yeah, it was the highest rating shift in the country, right? Jesus Christ! But on what Sissy's saying is that we used to get this um, facts. What was it called? It was like entertainment reported news, right? And that every um, uh, magazine house had it too, you know. So New Weekly or whatever, right? And so, in all reality, when I used to do like Hollywood gossip, people were hearing it from me first unlike today. So it was a really interesting position. It's sort of like the olden days and you kind of go, wow, like we were kind of like, um, it's just totally different because everyone today is a celebrity, right? And that's how it was then. Very fast paced as well. Um, you know, it was very hands on. There were reel to reels. There were six cart machines. There were two CD players and everything was drop edited or edited, uh, you know, during the show. Uh, it was not like today where the computer runs everything and your play out system. Uh, the radio guys listening will know what I mean. Uh, you only really engage when you have to do either a voice track or, or, or go live or do a contest piece. Whereas we had to crossfade everything. So, you know, that three hours felt like five minutes. I'd come out like a racehorse, you know, go to bed wet every oh, night. Poor sissy. I mean, I'd pop down to the Honda for a sneaky cone. Oh, you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd, you'd, be, you'd be sitting there touching up your lippy or getting a neck massage from our producer. And, you know, there's me over there running the 1500 every night. But and it was great drag- fun. It was it was good. It was it was it was good fun. And um, oh, yeah, yeah it, drag it's, queen uh, Monday. Do you remember yeah. drag queen Monday? So, and then didn't <laughs> we have like, we did, we had a high school takeover the show on we, every Friday night. We had a high school kid come in and see those those kids had come in and they'd be a hero. Their entire school would listen that night. Were you allowed to drink and smoke in the studio as well? All the smoke. Time. Yeah, we lost Jess. <laughs> oh, there you are. Yep. Yep. I thought you might have ducked down to the Honda for a joint. Um, yeah, you could. I used to I used to smoke in the studio, which is terrible. I know I shouldn't. And looking back now, I don't know how any non-smoking announcer could deal with that having to come in after a smoker. Um, but during our during our time at Triple M, um, it became all non-smoking. So we used to just open the windows oh, yeah. on the twenty fifth floor. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was the, the night slash drank an entire bucket of, of bourbon while we were on hey. the air, and, and that was that was there was some language that night. But that's a that's a story Jess can tell. She. She uh, she made a, an impression on um, Guns N' Roses guitarist that night. 
that was actually this is what this is how it happened. So the year before, when Sissy and I were separated for a short time, right? We both left B one hundred five run away to Triple M. And so I then went across the road to Triple M for a while to work with Gavin Miller. And on my last night on the air ever in Brisbane, I thought, well, there's a piercing show in town. What's a girl to do? Um, I'm going to get the hood of my clitoris pierced live <laughs> on the air, right? Yeah. So... Believe know, me, this, this is an urban legend. This actually happened. Wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was even sort of like like years and years later when I was doing Breakfast Radio in Perth, I had Eddie Maguire and Sam Newman going, oh, my God, you're Jess. Hey. Oh, my God. And they just wanted to shake my hand. They just thought I was – and nothing, nothing sort of perverted about it. They just sort of thought it was such, you know, Howard Stern-worthy kind of like, wow, that's – you know, quite amazing broadcasting, and I suppose it was. But anyway, what Sissy's done is that we've got um, Slash <clears throat> in the studio. He's decided to tell him about my piercing. And so then Slash then goes into theatre of the mind and pretending that he's seeing it. <laughs> like, so he's pretending to the whole of Sydney radio that I am showing him my pink bits. And I'm just <laughs> like, are you serious? And so then I'm completely going, and instead of kind of going with it, I'm going against it because I really became really kind of overwhelmed, yeah. I yeah. suppose. <laughs> hey, Slash, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> nice beaver. Thanks, I just had it stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of our favourite lines, that one, I think. I suppose in many ways, you know, like um, back in the day, it was mainly Triple J that were doing um, in-studio interviews with celebs and, you know, music artists and that kind of thing. And we really pushed for that in Brisbane. And I know with um, Sissy, I used to be saying to him, go live, go live, go live. Because back in those days, you were supposed to record everything, including all the calls and then all the people. But so then we decided to go live and then we were just getting everyone that was a music artist coming in and doing really great things with them. Not asking them the boring questions like, oh, you know, so who did back up there? But, you know, just more kind of like, you know, paint us your perfect Sunday or, you know, talking to people about um, just really everyday things that we could actually bring uh, the humanity out in people. Don't you think that was kind of what it was about for us to make things very real? Mm. And 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 it, 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 when times you they couldn't come to us, we set you up with the uh, the mobile phone studio walking thing um, that used to hang around your shoulder, and you'd go to an event. You'd go to the uh, the Ecker or you know whatever big was in town, or uh, the Prince concert. I remember that night because I I think by the time I got up there after the show had ended, I, I caught the the last uh, half of the encore. Um, That's but you'd true. Been, you know what. Yeah, I've still got a torn ligament from um, carrying that. Yeah, that was yeah, that was phone around in the night. That was uh, massive <laughs> technology, but it, but it worked. I mean, it was it was some sort of big battery thing and a phone and a microphone. So you were effectively interviewing people. Um, it was a good tricker. It was great great work by our techs to organise it. And, and you'd go out and spend the night wherever you know with your thing, and and um, you wouldn't be in the studio all night. But it sounded like you were with me because you were. That's right. It was kind of like quite quite cutting edge, and that. Um, Prince concert, I recall that I actually broke the fact that he was doing that um, impromptu jam after his show at Transformers. Mm. So, yeah, and I remember, like, knocking on random people's doors and asking them what was in their freezer. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or um, yeah, um, yeah. It's just just crazy. And, and the, you know, the worst part is, I, I kept a lot of that stuff, but um, I'd spent twelve months in cans in the late nineties, and all, all the humidity up there ruined all of my tapes. Oh no! All of my videos. I had I had videotapes of every single TV appearance we made because, you know, we were. We, remember, we did the you know Wednesday morning with Rob Bruff. 
Jess, we'd go on TV up at Channel Seven, oh, and um, you know we we, we did uh, we did a live show. Uh, I think one New Year's Eve, you and I, they dangerously gave gave us mics and camo crew and let us go live um, around South Bank, oh, yes. uh, which I was, was oh that's right, very I was dangerous. A lot of champagne, remember? And they kind of said to me, "Listen, you can't go on with the with <laughs> with the glass." And I went, "Really? Why?" <laughs> yeah. Um, so there were a lot of opportunities there, but you know I, uh, these days everyone's got a video camera in their pocket. And and um, I've lost a lot of our stuff, which is a shame because it was. And then on, onwards at Triple M, um, the PD at the time was an Apple freak, and, and we did the first little uh, internet simulcast, I think you'd call it. I don't think anybody else in Sydney had the technology to be able to watch it, yeah, but wow. our content director was sitting in his office watching it, um, and it was a tiny little black and white screen. Um, so we we did that, and then uh, Michael Tun was doing a National Night Show on Triple J, but we then became the first commercial. Uh, show to go uh, five cap city national being sydney brisbane adelaide perth melbourne so um it was short-lived um because of things but um yeah it was it was heady times it was fun times how long were you doing the triple m night show because i only vaguely remember calling mm. calling in one night and 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 i said oh i remember you you were from b105 you went Shh, don't mention that station yeah well yeah uh um we that was uh 94 late 94 through to early 96 i remember the the weekend i got fired or the monday i got fired was the john howe it was the jess and i had been on the marty in the mardi gras that saturday night we were on a float for Tu wong fu the movie oh yeah so we were on a we were on a flatbed truck in a big cadillac um, in the Mardi Gras, and it was also the night of the election. John Howard got elected, and then I got boned the, the, the following Monday. Um, but, yeah, so it was probably 18 to 20 months we were there. It was uh, Steve and Jess by request and then went on to become The Wall, which uh, was was not a success. Uh, that was uh, some kind of spinning out of control. They tried to make Triple M a commercial version of Triple J, Jess. Remember that? And it just didn't work. No, it didn't work, but I was also complete. I, I went a bit nutty then, let's be honest um so yeah (laughs) it was when we were at triple m that i threw a cart at you one night because we were going live our opener was going live around the country and i looked up and you you weren't there and and i said where's jess and someone said oh she's out at the lift paying for a dinner (laughs) what's a girl to do i was hung even before Um, uber eats you were out there paying for your dinner my 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 tofu noodles and stuff like that (laughs) For me, um, I, what I find hilarious right then is that what you were reminding me about being on a float and all of that, I'm mm. like trying to search my memory. Um, um, <laughs> uh, just like, okay. <laughs> Can you not remember that? Um, you know what I recall mainly um, was fighting a lot with management in the way of doing the firsts of a lot of things, you know, and always being seen as like, God, you know, we want to do this, we want to do that. No, no, no. And I think it was a really big push at that time, Lee, to be really creative. Yeah. And I think um, I would say that we were pioneers and um, trailblazers, definitely in the commercial um, setting. I, of course, was a very big fan of Triple J Breakfast. I used to be, I used to love um, Helen Razor and Michael. Helen Razor, yes, yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. So Helen Razor was very much, you know, someone that I really looked up to. I didn't really have anyone like that on. Um, commercial radio because really all the women really towed the line more and they were just, you know, laughing on cue and they were just bubbly, you know, and <laughs> or giggly and all that kind of thing, which you see, I, I'm still seeing it today. It's the same rhetoric, you know, that is, is just everywhere. And I think if anything, I wanted to take people on a journey of um, like who I was and what I thought and what I saw. And 
back in those days, it was like, no, stop sharing about your personal life. And as we can see now, it's the complete reverse. You're actually expected to do that. So, and then I can remember being in, you know, like um, PDs and that's what they were called in those days. Um, You know, Jess, you're going to have to stop saying Dal. Like, oh, Dal, I'm so, (laughs) you know, I just couldn't help it. You know, I wasn't even being facetious. It was just, I suppose I was not a radio person at all. You know, um, I came from a wild hairdressing background. I mean, it was like, you know, gays and drag queens that brought me up on the streets of Sydney when I was 16. I was completely uneducated. Um, I would consider myself to be the first Sarah Marie in many ways, you know, back in those days. Like people used to think, what the fuck is she going to say next? Because of course <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and then people would think, wow, how did you come up with that? And I'd be like, mm, what do you mean? Or, and people thought I would prep, but I did nothing. Yeah. And I think in many ways, if I had my time again and I understood the corporate way and I understood what was going on, because I had no idea, I was just kind of whipped along, you know, and someone like Steve really supported that part of me because I wasn't really fit for management because I was pretty much wild, wasn't yeah. I? Yeah, well, I just had to donut the brakes, really. I just had to do all the, uh, you know, the, the radio stuff and let you run run wild and then bring you back in and play a song or an ad break or whatever. And that's and that's just, that's how it worked. It, uh, and like I said, it flew by. And, and the whole experience flew by. There are things that I, I can't remember that sometimes pop into my head and I think, wow, we actually, we played pool with you too at Mary Street Nightclub one night after the oh, show, yes. you know. Um, or we or we stayed up all night one night we did a, a sleep out with all of these kids um, at town hall in Brisbane um, you know we were invited to everything uh, we, we were included in everything it's it's a little different these days when most radio stations now it's the breakfast team uh, is the focus yeah. um, even here uh, with our with our website uh, our Facebook page is WSFM with Jonesy and Amanda which is fine by me because you know I, I, I'm not a spotlight kind of guy but back in those days because we were so big with the kids the breakfast show were massive with the adults and then the kids all wanted our autographs oh yeah that makes sense for sure it was just uh, it was just crazy times it was it was yeah it was it was good fun and it was a great time to be alive we were there through the the changeover from 4BK AM into, into B105 FM um it was just, uh, it was just like Jess said. It was a pioneering time, and and, and David Reimer, uh, you know, he laid the groundwork. He's a he was a very talented announcer. I took a lot away from him um, as far as learning and, and studying what he did because I was late nights. I remember the time you guys remember I got busted for drink driving, and I used to have to ride my pushy into work, and you'd laugh <laughs> at me. You'd laugh at me every night when I turned up in my spandex. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. And you used to have like um, big hair. Yeah. <laughs> Big hair and big glasses. <laughs> you know yeah, those photos like, will never see the light of day. I was the anyway, last it's, it's the B105 Top 30, Stephen Jess. <laughs> hey, that's the memories right there. This is, the the world this is Culture Beat. Phone. Mr. Vane. <laughs> yeah. The other, the other good thing was back then too, and, and you know, I was just sitting at my desk a moment ago when we've got a third radio station here called The Edge, which broadcasts uh, out to Western Sydney, and it's a it's an R&B hip hop station. Uh, and I was listening to it while I was doing my work, and I actually said to someone, "There's no new music anymore because I think three out of four songs have got a sample from something from the '90s." Yeah, that's true. You know, so we were we were right in the middle of a fantastic time for music, the dance music of the '90s. Uh, you know, all starting with Guru Josh um, in in 1990. Time for the Guru. It was. Just just, and the Mr. Vanes and the Culture Beats and, and and all of that stuff, it was just so the show was hot. It was hot. It it, it really travelled quickly, um, and yeah, the kids loved it. 
You got a story about Guru Josh, don't you, Steve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the, no, we that's. Do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should. I'll just tell you without names. One night when I was the late night announcer, uh, there was a studio at B105 in the Old Bowen Hills. There was a back door and there was a button, and I had a video camera you could see. And I got a buzz at about midnight, and I looked down, and it was a couple of colleagues and some random. Um, I buzzed them in. What do you want? Oh, the DJ at the club we're at doesn't have Guru Josh. We're just going to take the studio copy. Yeah. They took the studio copy of, of uh, 1990 and took it back to the club. So yeah. those were the days. Wow. Having the access to the brand new music on B105. I was going to ask you about your Porsche, because you must have been doing all right if you bought yourself a little Porsche. Look, to be honest, it cost me $24,000. Oh, it was a Porsche, but it was a, it was a, it was a poor man's Porsche. Yep. But I, I wanted one. Um, uh, for my t- I had, had a go- Look, I always wanted to be a millionaire by 40. That never happened. But I al- always wanted to have a Porsche by, by 25, and I bought one for my birthday. It was, uh, it was a 944. Um, and it didn't last long because it had no air conditioning in Brisbane. So oh. I think I had it. I had it for about eight months, Ouch. but you know, at least I kicked that goal. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a hundred thousand dollar car, and no. I, I, you know, I wasn't on on Kyle Sanderland's money. No. Let's just let's just put that right there. You know uh, Kyle quite well, don't you, Jess? From years gone by. Well, I don't anymore. But um, <clears throat> back in the day, um, I recall meeting him at um, what was the station? Oh yes, uh, here I am in Triple M, going yeah, Triple M in <laughs> Perth, and so he was the um, promotions manager, and he told me that, you know, he used to love Sissy and I on the air um, when he was, you know, a kid. And so, um, I don't know, he used to massage my shoulders because he's got healing hands. Really? Amazing. And um, that's why he's got – I'm sure that's why he's got so many hot women always. (laughs) And so, anyway – he used to like come into the studio when I was doing breakfast radio with Dave Gore and we used to have Russell Gilbert come down the line and he used to do this amazing neck work on me and then I used to think how – and that was when he used to own a Mr. Whippy right? shop in um, Brisbane as well. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was amazing. It was actually me that used to say to him, God, you should work on the air. Like you should absolutely work on the air. Yep. And um, I really pushed for that for him and um, – and I've always had an absolute hankering for him and I to do a show together. And Ooh, um, we talked cool. about that. We did talk about that a really long time ago. And, yeah, it just never got off the ground. But, I mean, I think the thing is, is with Kyle, you know, he's just who he is now. And, you know, I'm just sort of someone in his past. And so when, when you ask me how well do I know him, well, I, I knew him in Perth 20 years ago, you know. Yeah, okay. And that's just and, – and that also reminds me of um, – when someone would to would ask us, you know, oh, what's the Red Hot Chili Peppers like, or what's you know this band like, and at the end of the day, you're meeting somebody and they don't want to be met because they're forced by a record company to come and have an interview, yep. right? Yep. And so you're just meeting someone in that moment, and what you want to do is make it as painless as possible, and I suppose, and be remembered as somebody that didn't behave like a fan, you know. Um, We never asked for an autograph or a photo um, or anything like that, and didn't ask the typical questions, you know, like just tried to get in there a bit more, I don't know, just like how we're speaking, you know, just to make it all a bit more natural, and not to try to go for the goss, because really, you got the goss that way. You know, because yeah. then they would naturally open up to you because you weren't going at them, you know. Yeah, nice um, and relaxed and you're on their level kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when when they're on the promo trail and, and they're doing five or six, seven interviews in a, in a row, you want to be the one that they relax in and, and, and be the one that they remember. And many, many was the time when they'd go, oh, is that it? Oh, that was fun. 
Yeah. You, know, you know, the show's over kind of thing. And, uh, you know, the, the, the record company managers standing outside, they're happy because, you know, the CD got plugged or we gave a bunch of them away or something. Uh, but it wasn't just music people we got through. We pretty much got anyone that was anybody that came through Brisbane came through our show. And many, many, many times it was live. It was uh, straight off the plane, you know, straight, let's go straight into B105, you've got to do Steve and Jess. So um, it was, yeah, it was, uh, like Jess said, it was it was all about making them comfortable. You'd have you'd have their manager in there saying, don't mention this, don't talk about the girlfriend, you know, don't talk about the sex tape, and then everything was fine. And then Jess would come in and say, so, tell us about your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I was going to say my favourite time was um, massaging Julian Lennon's head. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, because he had a really bad headache, right, because he's literally just come from the plane. He was – how kind was he? So That was a big day, that, yeah. That was, that was a lovely day. I've got a gentle. photo of that somewhere of you and I introducing him on stage in the Queen Street Mall, massive crowd. That's right. So, But before we went mm. down there, he's got a headache, and I'm like – you know, being the hippie I was, and I still am, I've got lavender on me at all times, 24-7. So I'm like, Did I've got some essential oil lavender, would you like me to rub it on you? So, oh, that'd be great. So I can just remember <laughs> thinking, I have got John Lennon's son in between my hands <laughs> and life is good, you know. Oh, wow. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, no, like that's there's many there's many like stories that like that, but forever, right? But then there's other stuff that I can't remember, and you can't either, <laughs> because uh, you know the nineties were um, they were interesting times. You know, things happened. Yes, um, you know, I think <laughs> we, we won't go into too much parties detail. And, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my my long term memory is well and truly shot. So there's some things yeah. I look at a photo and go, oh, and another thing, Jess, too. Remember, um, I think we were at Triple. We did a lot of OBs. We we um, remember that time we travelled to Numea. And we broadcast over there um, oh. into Sydney. That was really interesting. And then I got lost in the little car trying to find the airport because it was all left-hand drive and, and, and no one spoke it to English. Plane. You were smoking yeah, yeah. on the plane. <laughs> you uh, could smoke on the plane. <laughs> yeah, let's sit up the back in the smoking section and everyone down the front's going to smell it anyway. I mean, whose stupid idea was that? And then I hired a car and I kept going for the the window winder to change the gears because it was all on the wrong side. And then, yeah, but that was, I mean, that was kind of groundbreaking. We had a little suitcase satellite thing that the guys all unfolded and there we were in Numea, New Caledonia, wow. broadcasting into Sydney. Um, we did a lot of snow OBs and, and stuff like that. It was just it was just good times. It was good fun. Radio's changed a heck of a lot. It was uh, a big shock for me to come back to it after seven years' break um, in 2018 and just to how everything is so breakfast-heavy now. Yeah. Um, you don't have the night. Show. Well, you do, but they're a national show, and and you know, many's the time they're not even in the in the city that you live. So, and kids now get everything from everywhere else. Yeah, that's so true. And Jess, what are you up to these days? What is this like a free plug? Sure, go for it. <laughs> so my handle is Jessica G Official. Yeah, and um, I suppose I'm a solopreneur, and I work with. Um, biohacking technologies that actually bring forth uh, the best version of yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, I work with events and I do hands-on healing as well. Wherever I am, I'm kind of like a uh, traveling healer. Yeah. I've got some really amazing products, um, uh, something from Austria known as the Lucia Light and okay. it's like a dynamic meditative experience that you lie under with your eyes closed and it opens up your pineal gland and you see like sacred geometry so instead of having to like go to a you know a shaman and have ayahuasca and you know and like you know vomit and shit the night away you can come in at lunchtime love and just totally get activated and go next level wow um 
Yeah, so I've kind of, um, I'm working in that way, you know, so I do like um, conscious counselling. And so like the joke is, of course, I used to be really, really wild and I've had a big journey with addiction, mental illness, um, all sorts of things, you know. And so now as a woman that's 50 fucking seven next year. Hey, well uh, done. I'm kind of like I'm kind of like working more in the ways of the wise woman and the crone, if you will, yeah. and um, working with people <laughs> in really deep ways, but mainly underground. So I'm not doing look at me influencer um, on Instagram and stuff like that. If anything, I really have got that really great feeling that I've actually been in the public. Um, I've somewhat had this kind of small-time fame and I never even tell anybody I was a radio presenter, hardly ever, right? Yeah. And so that's what makes it so funny to go back in time to be with you and to be thinking about this time of my life, which, of course, shaped everything I am now yeah. with um, what I bring through, you know, for others. So, yeah, I hold I hold serious space for growth, yeah. What a, a duo, Steve and Jess, on the B105 Top 30 Countdown, back from the 90s and also went across to Triple M. What was the show called on Triple M again? I forgot. Steve and, uh, wall, Steve and Jess by request, because today Steve if him already had the Top 30, Hot right. 30 name, then it became The Wall, Stuff. which was awful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Steve and Jess, thank you so much for joining us on the Radio <laughs> Fanboy Podcast, guys. Jess, do a burp. No. I'm a crone. I don't no, know. No, we're both too old. Farted. Oh, <laughs> the Radio Fanboy Podcast, hosted by Bevo and produced by Matt Fulton Productions. Dan Hill speaking.